On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'm talking about the Pacers G League affiliate. The Fort Wayne Mad Ants, who are officially moving to Indy. They'll play home games at a proposed arena in Noblesville, Indiana, and undergo a full rebranding. Fort Wayne-based Mad Ants reporter Justin Cohn joins to discuss. I know that Fieldhouse Files has a prolific following. You know, I just want to be careful about sharing too much with the world. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Well, recording this late Monday night, Monday, May 8th, 2023, because earlier in the day, the Pacers suddenly announcing that in conjunction with the city of Noblesville, uh, they've had a 10-year partnership established with Pacers Sports and Entertainment on a new arena that will become the home to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, the Pacers G League affiliate, since September 9th, 2015, because back then it's when Herb Simon, the Pacers owner, announced the purchase of the Mad Ants officially. And they had been around many years before that, almost a decade. Uh, And I remember at the time, Executive Jim Morris saying, this is a very significant day for Pacers sports and entertainment. At the time, there were 19 D-League teams. It wasn't the G-League just yet. And of those 19 D-League teams, all but the Mad Ants had a single affiliate relationship. If you remember way back when, let's go back about a decade, there might be four different NBA teams that shared in a D-League team, and so they would all contribute to fielding a roster and those sorts of things. Now, where we sit today, there are 31 G-League teams. All but the Phoenix Suns have their own team. Most teams have moved their D-League or G-League team to nearby where their team is, and then there's two other teams, the G-League Ignite and a team in Mexico City as well, but It's a combination of a development program and also a way for guys to get rehab assignments and get more work in and kind of help groom the next group of coaches and those sorts of things. But as I'll get into Justin Cohn, that made it a little bit difficult. And maybe the Pacers didn't quite understand the Fort Wayne market um, and those sorts of things because we did not see the type of success that we were used to seeing from the Mad Ants once the Pacers did take over. But here are some of the details of all of which that took place Monday afternoon in what was a very quiet press conference. I was not there because it was an underwhelming announcement that said, hey, you may want to check this out, keep this in mind. There was no player mentioned, just Rick Fusen, the Pacers CEO, along with a couple, the mayor and city county council. And generally those are, you know, an all-star announcement or they're announcing, you know, a new park that's named in somebody's honor, those sorts of things. No, this, like Jim Morris said in 2015, this is also a very significant day for Pacers Sports Entertainment, and I'm disappointed in how it's all happened, how quietly they've gone about it, how, again, as of this recording, there still is no notice on the Mad Ants Twitter or the Mad Ants website. What are we doing here? you got to reach your fans where they reach you, and they have not done that just yet. And that's a little bit disappointing. But Noblesville has agreed to invest $36.5 million on the construction of a brand new arena. It's going to be way the heck up there. We're talking about 160th. It's the east side of Noblesville, about 40 minutes or 30 miles from the St. Vincent Center, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and downtown Indianapolis. But that's still much closer than the two-hour drive it is up to Fort Wayne 
there. Noblesville is the ninth largest city in Indiana, about 71,000 residents, uh, it says in a press release here. And uh, this will be new land. Where they held the press conference, it was all grassland. So uh, this will be going in a new complex near the Mojo Up Sports Complex, which I haven't had not heard of, but I'm also in downtown Indianapolis, not up in Noblesville. The Pacers... Herb Simon committing $5 million in cash, and they're going to work to try to secure another $5 million in naming rights for that building, which I'm curious what that will look like. I guess that suggests to me that in a 10-year partnership, that means they think they can get roughly $500,000 per year over that 10-year span to have the naming rights for what is right now being referred to as Noblesville Arena. It still has to be approved, I think, tomorrow, coming up on May 9th. So they're introducing this, making it public uh, the one day before that. But this was inevitable. This was going to happen. It was something I think the Pacers and, as I said, all NBA franchises are working towards of having their team in market. I mean, I think of where former Matt Ants head coach Steve Gansey went. He's with College Park. That's Atlanta, and College Park is like 20 minutes outside the city down in Atlanta. It makes it a lot more easy, feasible, and um, you know, Pacers and the Matt Ants can continue this great partnership where they have the Matt Ants players living right downtown, right by the arena, right by the practice facility. They have 24-7 access to that building, access to the trainers, the weight room, all those different things, and that's incredibly helpful from a player development standpoint, but why this is a little bit surprising is because I had already heard that you know they were going to play games at Cambridge Fieldhouse next season, talking about the 2023-24 season, but it would not be the eight like they did this past year. I think they played 16 at Allen County War Memorial Coliseum up in Fort Wayne, and then another eight at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. The ones at the Fieldhouse, really, they didn't even market or sell to fans. Um, but the ones in the Coliseum, they did and averaged about 2,000 fans or so. But now this is completely different. Now, all games next year are slated to be played at Gainbridge Fieldhouse while this Noblesville Arena undergoes construction and is being built for what they think is about $36.5 million. And it's a lot here. I mean, you have the $50 million Pacers practice facility, the St. Vincent Center. And to put a comparison, a team like the Lakers, their team plays out of their practice facility. And that's how they make it work out there in the L.A. area. The other big thing here is the team will undergo a complete rebranding. So you're going to see a new name. You're going to see a new mascot. Probably means you'll see new colors as well, a whole new uh, design and look for the team. What I'm also wondering is, you know, what does it mean for the team's history and that type of stuff? Do they embrace it still or do they try to create a new era, if you will? I think back to the Colts here in Indianapolis. They still very much will mention the Baltimore Colts, even though totally different ownership group and such. And, you know, that was very much a different era. But Fort Wayne basketball used to be really strong and is not here recently. This Matt Ants team had missed the playoffs the last several years. They were finally back for the first time since, I think, 2018. But uh, it was a one and done, and they were without one of their top players and ended up losing that first game. But you'll see these ga- this next year, all the games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Then the next year, they hope to move into that brand-new arena up on the east side of Noblesville. Rick Fusen, Pacers Sports and Entertainment CEO, 
in a news release said, quote, the G League is world-class basketball and Pacer Sports Entertainment is proud to bring that to Noblesville as we strengthen our basketball operations and enhance our player development in one of the state's most vibrant and growing communities. We're excited about the way this partnership fits into the bold vision for economic development. Mayor Chris Jensen has laid out and we can't wait to continue growing our NBA and G League fan base right here in Hamilton County. And so here they go. Uh, I think this is a little bit stunning at the time and, and all of this. I know tried to talk to several different Mad Ants people. I was able to get a hold of a couple. Uh, several or others did not answer or one did not want to talk. So this is complicated because on one side, if you're, it really comes from your perspective, I think, here. If you're a Pacer fan and you live in central Indiana, you're probably all for this. You love the fact that maybe you can go to Mad Ants games. Maybe you can take your kid to these G League games that will be up in Noblesville, that you can really feel like the Mad Ants are part of the Pacers and the basketball community in this city, in this state even, where it a little bit felt disconnected. I was disappointed. We never really got the true doubleheader, and we never really saw the Pacers market this Mad Ants team locally other than maybe celebrating them at halftime or uh, introducing them at, you know between a quarter at one of the first games of the season, I think you had a group of them do the rev it up before a game this season, but it didn't feel like everything was completely there. And I mainly point to the home games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse when there were no fans. I, I would post about them on Instagram and Twitter and people would be like, what, there's a game to get? Wait, can I buy tickets? Uh, that sort of thing. That's complicated. And so maybe now you get some clarity in that and and maybe it's too early, but I'm also very Interested to see what are the other uses for this facility. 3,400 seats. Matt Ansel will play, let's say, roughly 25 home games per year. You know, there's a big AAU market in central Indiana. Will you play games there? Do you move the fever there? It's probably a little smaller than you would like for that. Uh, but Gamebridge Fieldhouse is a little bigger than you need right now. The team has been awful since Tamika Ketchings retired. Maybe now with the number one pick and Aaliyah Boston and Grace Berger and the growth of women's college basketball, maybe you start to get some momentum. And like we see with the Mad Ants and could see with the Fever, if you start winning, there will be an audience. There will be more fans. There will be more fans at games. But that was one of my next thoughts is, do the Fever ultimately end up playing here? I don't know that. I'm purely speculating on what could make sense. But uh, this building will need a lot more uses for a $36.5 million venue than just 25 Mad Ants games each year, and to be clear, the, the Mad Ants will continue to practice at the St. Vincent Center, home of the Pacers, uh, which is right where they live. They're in downtown Indianapolis, so I'm sure they'll just take the bus, and it's a much shorter trip, 30 miles, instead of you know the 120 for home games when they played at the Coliseum the last couple of years when they split games. But a lot will be interesting as it plays out. My understanding that head coach Tom Hankins is wrapping up the final year of his four-year contract that he signed back in 2019 as he spent the first year as a assistant player development coach. No reason to think he won't be brought back, but we'll see. That's something I'll be tracking, to be clear, this offseason as he's the seventh head coach in Matt Ant's history. Um, the team went 30-20 and 20 last year. They, they won their last five games to qualify for the playoffs, but much like the Fever, this franchise needs to be jump-started a bit. And I think this this day can help with that, although it wasn't well executed. It felt a little abrupt, felt a little quick, 
It felt like it wasn't very thorough, but there's a lot of factors that some of us aren't even privy to of why and when and and those sorts of things. And the other thing I should mention is that starting next NBA season, because of the new collective bargaining agreement that the league and the Players Association ratified, is they're able to have another, an additional two-way player, meaning three two-way players that split time between the G League and the parent company, in this case the Pacers and Mad Ants. So another significant development for Pacers Sports and Entertainment. And to talk about it, I wanted to bring on Justin Cohn. So up next you'll hear from a man who's been on the Mad Ants beat for many years, but up in Fort Wayne. So while I provide the Pacers an indie perspective, he'll bring it from a Fort Wayne perspective. And you won't want to miss it because he did not hold back. Very firm in his beliefs and what he's seen from this move and from the franchise as a whole over the last half dozen years or so. Justin, I think we were probably very well aware that this was inevitable, but I was a little bit surprised on the timing, how sudden it came. But I guess what was your reaction to what's gone down here on Monday? Well, I think that, you know, as you implied, we've we've all had to kind of be on notice for, for really years that the possibility was out there. Um, there wasn't much that led me to believe it was going to come this summer, not after conversations I'd had with staff and, um, you know, really, I guess it was late March. So it seemed like they were in the process of locking down a lease for next season. There was talk they were buying a new court for Memorial Coliseum. So, you know, I, I think it's a little bit surprising because we found out pretty much when all the Fort Wayne staff found out. And, you know, they just kind of pulled up stakes and, and didn't make much mention of Fort Wayne at all. So a little surprising in the end, but not surprising that it was going to happen eventually. And we're recording this on Monday night, and Justin, one of the little things that maybe only I care about, but I find it noteworthy, is that if you go to the Mad Ants website, nothing. You go to the Mad Ants Twitter, nothing in three days. It's like, what are we doing here? What about your fan yeah. base? And I'm sure it's strategically done not to upset the diehards and, and those within the Fort Wayne community that have been so important and, and so faithful over the years at the uh, War Memorial Coliseum, but... Uh, you, you can't quite ignore the news either is how I'm seeing it. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll give you frank answers on a lot of stuff, including this departure. And I've seen one or two in my day. Mm -hmm. This is a messy departure. This is not textbook. This is not how you're supposed to really do it. I mean, a, you know, a surprise announcement with not, without tipping off people here, uh, not so much as a really a thank you to anybody in Fort Wayne. And so I went out and explicitly asked for a statement. Good. Um, yeah. So, you know, what you're saying is, is, is true. You know, you would think there would be a lot of thank yous and things like that on social media. And we're not really seeing that. We're seeing the local media sort of scrambling to try and put together reactions when clearly their staff is not allowed to talk. And none of this is really ideal. Yeah. The couple staff people I was talking about, they were kind of fearing for losing the the little money that they would be getting over the next couple of months or whatever th the outcome is those for those individuals because their contracts are up in a couple months here and they got to figure out what's next for them in all this thing i called tim bauman with the president didn't hear back uh chris taylor the general manager and, and to his credit he wanted to talk i think i could tell but you know just kind of following orders and he said hey i declined comment and 
to be clear, he's never declined comment to me. So that was telling here about kind of, I think what you said, a scrambling, trying to figure it out as they go here. And I think it's not surprising again, but a little disappointing for the Fort Wayne community to be sure. But just watching G League trends, this was going to happen. It was just a matter of where specifically. Well, yeah, and it, it was going to happen, but, you know, my perspective is probably going to be different than yours as to mm-hmm. why it happened. Because, you know, you can put together a pretty clear timeline of this franchise starting to decline the moment the Pacers bought them. I mean, that's I've covered a lot of minor league sports. I've covered them for a lot of years. I've seen a lot of uh, major league teams, granted mostly in hockey, come in, buy a minor league team and not understand the market. And it goes sideways. And this is a great example of that. I mean, you know, the Pacers came in, they fired everybody, the people that understood the market, the people that were from here, they brought in people not from here, and they never understood what made sports in Fort Wayne successful. And above all things, that is winning. They want winners here. So you can tout, hey, this guy got called up. That guy got called up. This guy had a 45-point game all you want. Mm -hmm. Everything here is measured on championships. You go to Memorial Coliseum, you look up, you see a ton of championship banners. Even the tin caps in baseball, a sport that is built around promoting prospects, their best seasons were when they were winning a lot of baseball games. And that's the single biggest thing, and there are some other things, that I think the Pacers never understood from the start which is we need to field a winner and they haven't won a playoff series since they bought them. And I think that is really kind of telling. Yeah, that's fantastic perspective and exactly why I wanted to have you on here because you're right from, and from my perspective, and it's more obviously trending towards Pacers is we see, uh, you know, Gabe York scores the most points in franchise history. And he was the 29th call up in Mad Ant's history. And they had a couple of players and then whatever, all-star next up game, and things like that, and you're saying, hey, look, those diehard fans at the Coliseum, they wanted to see wins, and I mean, until this year, they hadn't reached the playoffs, I think it was, since 2018, and then they had some issues amongst the team, but it just was not a winning product there, and it had to be a little bit awkward, too, when with them splitting games here with Indy and Fort Wayne, and more than that, the basketball team, basketball staff living in Indy. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly, and I just wrote this, I mean, that was kind of the death knell when they come back from the pandemic. And, yeah. and I'm not naive to the pandemic changed changed everything for everybody, especially from a business sense. I, I get it. Um, but, you know, when you come back, you're playing games at Gainbridge. They went seven weeks last season, or, or two seasons ago, seven weeks between games at Memorial Coliseum. There is no way that you can adequately, adequately market and promote a team when you're barely seeing them. Um, but that's you know, out of sight, out of mind yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Out, you're absolutely right. Out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, if you go back to the season before the Pacers bought them, so that's 2015, the low, the local ownership group before them had just finally figured out the elixir. They won a championship. They went to the finals, but they were engaging the media they had these great halftime shows that like you did not want to leave your seat during halftime because there was always going to be a great show. Um, you know, there was just all, they had really hit their stride and the Pacers came in and, and, you know, I understand there's going to be a learning curve, but 
they just didn't get it. Like they came in, they alienated the media, they shut down access with people. I mean, I'm the guy that's out there every day. Right. Suddenly the locker room's not open. Suddenly I got to go jump through hoops to get a guy on the phone. You know, things like that. They have got too many theme nights. You don't know what's going on on any particular night. There's no structure. I could drive around for weeks, maybe not hear an advertisement on the radio. Um, you know, just a lot of things that were going on that were sort of like that. And it was just, it spoke to, they didn't understand how you are successful in a minor league market. And Fort Wayne is one of the most historic minor league markets in North America. And so they're gonna catch on quick if you're not doing your job ably. And and I hate to say it, but that's kind of what it was. And then there's some other elements. You know, they were flirting with a downtown arena that never came to fruition. They were clearly talking to other cities, you know. We just, you knew it was going to end eventually, but meanwhile, the Pacers are telling the people on the ground, everything's fine, nothing to see here. We're totally committed to Fort Wayne. There's a quote from Rick Fuson that's been making the rounds today about, you know, they've never moved a team. I live in Carmel. I don't want to see them anywhere out of Fort Wayne, something like that. Um, you know, but all the signs were there because they were not doing as well on the court or in the stands. That's all really interesting. I'm going to have to look up that quote to be sure and see exactly what that was. But I'm curious then from the fan reaction, what have you heard here in the first 12 hours from from fans? I'm guessing it's a combination of disappointment and, you know, I'm not surprised. All right, what's next? Yeah, I think you, you pretty much summed it up there. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's people disappointed, but I think the general feeling was, look, we knew this was going to happen someday, but we just didn't really think it was going to be now and we didn't really think it was going to be like this. And there's definitely empathy for, you know, the local staff, you know, those are good, hardworking people, um, you know, that were facing an uphill battle. I mean, you know, there's some examples. I, I was trying to think of the player and I, I can't remember who it was. Um, it might've been Goga. It might've been before him, but, but there's this story that I remember where I knew on a Tuesday that the Pacers were sending a player down for a Saturday game. Mm -hmm. And it got to be that Saturday and they still hadn't like announced it or anything. And I'm sitting here thinking that was four days of marketing you could have done to get more butts in the seats. And I finally went and said, why haven't you announced this? And they're like, well, they didn't want to announce it because what if something happened? What if he got injured and he didn't end up getting set down or something like that? And I'm like, who cares? Like the idea here, you know, it's, it's minor league sports. Nothing is set in stone. Guys can always get injured, stuff like that. So if you were to transfer that to hockey, which is the other tenant in the building, oh my gosh, they would have been telling us every which way they could, social media, emails, everything hey, this guy is going to be down. He's a big NHL prospect. And so that was a good example of the disconnect where I felt the Pacers were doing a disservice to the local staff because they would have loved to have been out there and be like, come to Saturday's game, see the Pacers' first-round pick. I, I think it was a first-round pick, whoever it was. Um, but they weren't able to do that, and they were kind of hamstrung by what the people at the Pacers' offices wanted to do. Now, it's, it's their show. That's fine. 
But if you want to be successful in Fort Wayne, you want to get butts in the seats, you got to help the local staff along a little bit more. Yeah, I'm just thinking about PR and marketing in that aspect. Is That's exactly the type of material that they love and, and thrive off of if they're allowed to to touch on it and get ahead of it and, and try to really sell to this team more so than, hey, coming up on Friday, it's say by the bell jersey night, which, by the way, I like those. But <laughs> it, it carries a lot more weight than you know SpongeBob night, I think, is if you could have seen – you know Edmund Sumner and and guys like that Terry Taylor who's been crushing things like that um so that that's another good aspect that you're right that maybe was not thought about or and and to be fair a little bit to the Pacers a lot of that does change and it's how a guy feels if they play the night before and what their agent is saying or allowing but I think maybe you give it a try at least and see if it works to announce three or four days down the road and and understanding that market while also trying to cater to that player and the Pacers club and not trying to tip a hand again it's the bottom of a roster guy generally so it's it's not like you're tipping a hand if a guy's not playing for the Pacers the previous night let's say right yeah I, and look I mean I, I get it there's going to be a lot of finger pointing and I'm sure the Pacers could hear what I'm saying and say I'm crazy but I'm just telling you I've worked in this market for a long time and I've seen how successful teams do it mm-hmm. and when you come in and you get rid of everybody that sort of knows what they're doing and understands the market. And then you amplify that by kind of going with your way of doing things instead of the minor league way of doing things. You're just setting things up at a disadvantage. But, you know, it's not the first time it's happened. I mean, again, this is a hockey example, but the Quad Cities was a wonderful wonderful hockey market and the the Calgary Flames came in and they bought the team and they're going to make their minor league team there and they fired everybody local and they brought in all their own people who didn't understand the market and they didn't understand how you promote things like call-ups and things like that and they pulled up stakes after a few years and it completely decimated the market and now it's it still hasn't recovered like I don't know we're, we're 12 years later and there are some similarities here. I mean, you know, look, the, the, the Pistons started here. Uh, the CBA had a team here that was extremely successful. Pacers or the Mad Ants won a championship. And so you can't help but wonder, like, wow, we're really not going to have a pro basketball team here. Like, uh, is that void going to be filled? And should this have happened? And if they somehow could have figured out a way for local ownership to just stay, would it have continued to be successful? I mean, I don't know, but I do know that I there's so much history of big city teams coming into the smaller markets, crushing the market, losing money, pulling up stakes, and then you're left to, to deal with the fallout. And that's kind of what it feels like today. And the real challenge, as I see it, for these NBA franchises as a whole is how do you treat the the G League team meaning is it a true minor league system yes you care kind of about results but it's more about player development right do we need to see Kendall Brown get 25 30 minutes a game versus maybe a, a guy that's been there and have proven results this past year or do you need to go like this past year if I remember right it's a very older team is that a bad team should you take more chances on guys those are the different conversations I think Wayne winning and championships like you said Fort Wayne truly values and also if you're the Pacers should you value it more as a developmental system and sending guys over there to them and taking chances on guys to potentially call up two very different things well, and they, I mean, there's little things that if you really take a close look and compare it to other minor league sports, like the amount of money that they spend on G League teams when really you're developing, what, two, maybe four guys, yeah. maybe? 
I mean, the amount of money is incredible. Like, just look at the staff. Like, they would come into Fort Wayne and there'd be like, you know, what, five assistant coaches and two trainers and like all these people. You got video, you got two video coordinators like setting up laptops on press row and they're putting, you know, the devices on the players to measure analytics. It is insane when you compare it to other sports. I mean, I, granted, I'm a bit of a hockey guy, but in the hockey, you're talking about a staff of like four guys, like and a coach, an assistant coach, a trainer, and an equipment manager. <laughs> and their roster is twice the size, and the crowds they're generating are four times the size. So the amount of money that like the Pacers were putting into this, I mean, I guess it's debatable whether it was necessary, but I was just looking at it. I'm like, this is not sustainable. Like the G League, maybe they should just do what they did in 2021 and just play in a bubble someplace churn out 20 games a piece and move on. But, you know, I, there's a lot of different elements, so maybe it's not totally their fault for trying to make it work in a city that wasn't Indianapolis, but there's got to be more cost-effective ways of doing it too. Yeah, I think how I see that is if we're going to look big, be big, like our parent company in the Pacers, we want to treat them the exact same way in terms of we don't like like they specifically don't try to say we're sending the player down. It's – we're just yeah. we're sending him to the Mad Ants for an opportunity for minutes or a rehab assignment. It's all very strategic, and I think if you have one coach and an assistant coach and an equipment manager, and that's it with a trainer, then it's unpolished, and quite frankly, agents aren't going to be willing and accepting of that. I think so. There's there's that whole dynamic that goes into it. I promise you, like 10, 15 minutes, we've already gone over. So any parting words? <laughs> you've already been strong and really offered a, a firm and really good perspective in all this. Anything else Pacer fans, Mad Ants fans should know about this move and maybe what's to come? Well, I, you know, I just think the big takeaway is, is Fort Wayne's a great basketball town. I think they did a great job supporting this team. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to be a little bit hard on the Pacers. You know, we're, we're losing a pro, pro sports team, and I can finally kind of say some of the things that I witnessed. <laughs> but, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, you know, look, the team won the championship here. A lot of great moments. I mean, Ron Howard, we don't need to say anything beyond that. I mean, sure. one of the great ambassadors of basketball in the country. Uh, you know, he's a Fort Wayne, you know, institution now. And the Pacers, I may not agree with all, all the things that they've done, but really great people with the Mad Ants. It was very nice to see a lot of these guys move up. I mean, you know, the players, I'm sure they enjoyed it here. It was great to watch guys like Gabe York and Justin Anderson develop. So, you know, of course, we're going to feel a little bit jaded here, but Hopefully pro basketball finds its way back here. And even though I, I've got some concerns, I do hope they're successful in Noblesville. Um, you know, hopefully maybe the Maniac name can at least make its way back here for use for somebody else. But uh, I guess we'll see on that. But, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully it all works out for everybody involved, I guess. Yeah, and Justin, I'll be curious how much, if at all, they try to detach maybe from that previous history or do they completely embrace it? We'll see. I don't know which way they'll go. Um, but that's something that will be interesting to see once they kind of get going here over the next two or three years and established is uh, whether they yeah. embrace it. And you talk about the disconnect. Uh, they really didn't even sell tickets or advertise the, the like eight games a year that were at the field house. I would show up. I'd be like one of maybe two media members. It'd basically be friends and family, maybe some agents. And that was done right. by design. I think it was because it cost more to – 
bring in more security and have ticket takers than it did right. to you know how many fans would fill the seats. I don't know. I would have loved. I've been pushing for years going back to Gans's day. Steve Gansy, the former head coach, to have like a double header of some kind, or could you do a Mad Ants game at three o'clock before a Pacers game at five? Whatever it is, could you figure something yeah. out like that to market the team to to really sell Pacers fans on what this franchise is? Kind of introduce them. And they never really did that. So that was one of yeah. my big disappointments I over the totally years. I totally agree. I've always felt if they're going to play down there, it should be double headers, true double headers. You come in, you watch two games if you want to, you go about your day. But, you know, <laughs> playing it at, at, at 12.30 in front of all friends and family and then reporting an attendance of 2,000, I mean, when – None of them paid for tickets. I mean, the whole thing was bizarre to me. Yes, and I should be clear. I, I think you put in your store there were maybe 2,000 fans or 1,000 fans, whatever it was. Uh, probably about 200. Let's be honest. Yeah. It was probably about yeah. 200, 250 per game, and that's what it was. But, Justin, thanks so much. People can read your story on the Journal-Gazette and uh, appreciate the time here in perspective. Anytime, Scott. That does it for this conversation on the Pacers and Matt Ants and Noblesville and what's to come there again Thanks to Justin Cohn for joining the podcast, and I'll talk to you again soon.